Okay, okay. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. Episode, what is this, 166, something like that. Kuden Podcast, Kuden Radio, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> anyway, Daishihan Miller here from Warrior Concepts, and uh, welcome to this week's episode. We'll get started here formally in just a minute. I see people coming in. So anyway, um, the reasoning behind this episode is we actually have a couple of students coming up uh, on uh, their showdown test in uh, a couple of months. And uh, so we've started the prep phases uh, for them. And uh, <clears throat> while most people know about the Godon test in the Budokan, right, the Saki test, right, everybody talks about it, right, because then you, know, you pass that, you get to be a Shidoshi, you're a Godon, all that kind of stuff, Um talk about that here in a little while but um those who uh came up through the art or came up in the art right through the art whatever right um with me um under two of my teachers uh know that uh we had a uh, a blade avoidance test long before godon right it was actually a part of our shodan uh curriculum and i kept that in place for uh, my students, right? So anyway, we're going to talk about the Godon test, and we're going to talk about this uh, part of the Shodan test uh, as a part of this episode. So talk to you about it more when we come back. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, and we're back and officially starting. Welcome again. Some of you guys are still trickling in from different places james can see where where you're coming from but anyway um again as i uh discussed before we did the formal uh intro uh for this thing we've got a couple of students uh that are coming up uh on their first degree black belt uh at the academy and um as a matter of fact we just started handing out their um their prep outline right so um We've got this formal kind of thing. I know there's a lot of folks, uh, the majority of folks within the Bujin Khan, uh, there, there isn't anything like this, right? Uh, there's everything from testing on merit to, uh, teachers just kind of keeps a, keeps an eye on them. And when they're, when they think they're ready for promotion based on their standards or whatever, they just hand it to them. There's lots of reasons for these things. Uh, we have a standardized curriculum, uh, and, fairly standardized testing, although I have deviated from that every once in a while when it comes to uh, certain black belt tests. But for the most part, we have a standardized testing. And um, as a part of that, right, there is uh, there is another blade avoidance test, right, that my students get, I got, right, my peers got um, for Shodan, uh Again, way ahead of the Saki test for Godan, right? So is it the same? No, it's not the same, right? Um, 
Is it a prep for the Godon test? No. Because while a lot of people see these things as a rite of passage, and it's not that they're not, right? Um, What they really are is an assessment as to whether or not the student uh, has certain requisite skills or abilities that'll be necessary with moving on. Okay. And that's just as true for the Godon test as it is for, for our Shodan test. Okay. So I think what I want to do for our discussion on this is I think I'm going to start with the Godon test, right? Because that's the one that most people are familiar with. Um, but I want to break that down a little bit, right? I want to talk about, um, how we begin preparing our students for that. And again, lots of people believe that you can't prepare for it. Some people think you can. Some people think that you either have the ability or you don't. And while that's not not true, right, um, th- there's there, there are ways to prepare for it, right? However, what ends up being more true than not is that once people take that test, They stop thinking about the ability that is necessary for passing the test. And that is, that's, that's, that's a flawed belief system, right? Or it's a, it's, it's, it's an error. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to break this down. I want to take a look at two fundamental skills um, that are absolutely necessary for passing that test, regardless of whether someone trains in these skill areas or not, especially one of them beforehand uh, or not, doesn't matter, right? There's two things that are necessary. Now, um, I'm going to bring James on here in a little bit because we were just discussing something earlier um, that he's seen more than I have. I've seen it once or twice. He's seen it more than I have where um, – a lot of the uh, the Godon tests that have been done, um, I don't know what, James, probably in the last year or two, right? Um, the way they're done uh, has changed. I know because a former student of mine uh, took one of these, and there is a still shot of him supposedly passing this test. But um, I don't know. Something has changed. We'll, we'll have this discussion. I'm not here to tell or to to police up anything, to tell any soke, to do things differently. It doesn't matter, right? Um, but we will. Our discussion will highlight a huge difference between the way testing was done and the way I took the test, and perhaps the way it's being done. Okay. And how it's led to James, what would be a good word to a laziness, at least on one uh, with regards to one of the skills. Okay. So anyway, we'll we'll start there and then I'm going to back it down to the folks uh, in my curriculum that again are preparing for Shodan. And we're going to talk about, that blade avoidance test that's a part of the of the uh, the whole setup right that should let some of my other students know uh what's going on and what to look forward to 
um, hopefully in a make you feel all warm and fuzzy, pleasant kind of way, right? Um, but we're going to talk about where that begins, where that training begins, and what I'm looking for and the reason it's there, okay? Because it's not at full speed. Like the Godon test, right, not only is it at full speed, but um, you're, you're, you're facing away and your eyes are closed and all that wonderful stuff, right? So, um, but anyway, we'll discuss that as well um, because, again, it's about a test, right? It's about not only what you've learned, right? Both of these points are bridges, right? They, they, they create, they constitute a bridge, okay? And something is going on on one side of the bridge, but something is also going on on the other side of the bridge, right? If you ever see a bridge that's only connected on one side, right? Um, they made a, made a, or they ran out of money and, or materials and, it's incomplete, right? It would not be safe, right, to go through the barriers and try to drive across that bridge or take a train across the bridge or whatever, right? It's just, it's not safe, okay? Um, and I believe the same is true uh, with regards to these two quote-unquote blade avoidance tests. But before we do that, right, um, James, uh, I, I see people coming and going and whatnot. I don't know if there's glitches and they're signing on, signing off. Uh, whatever, right? They thought there'd be a dancing monkey on this side of the video or whatever, but um, who's on? Who, who, who's... Actually, there's people on. Nobody's made any comments as of yet. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough, right? So here's a blanket. Hi, everybody. Before, <laughs> before we continue on, right? Uh, and, I've, you know, I, I always feel like we're missing out something uh, with all the folks that uh, listen in on the audio um, podcast, like on Spotify and all that kind of stuff. But just know that we appreciate everybody that uh, supports uh, what we're doing and, and getting something out of this. And, um, you know, we look forward to seeing everybody at some point, right, uh, as far as training goes, right? So we'll, we'll let everybody know about up upcoming training dates and all that kind of stuff here at the end. Or you can always go to onlineninjaacademy.com forward slash events. Uh, and, um, oh, did we update the – did we update the, the ones? Uh, yes. Okay, right. We had to uh, reschedule uh, a couple. But, um, yeah, we're all good, okay? So, anyway, uh, where was I? So let's, uh, let's uh, go down, right, the go down test, Okay. So um, I've discussed these things in the past. Uh, I'm not going to discuss how Hatsumisate took the test and whatnot. It's in some of his books. It's, it's described in different places or whatever, right? But what I would like to do is, is discuss how the test was explained to me. Now, again, a little bit of background for this. You have to remember that I got started in this martial art in 1980, right? So I have seen my fair share of well, more than my fair share of changes in the art and the way things are done and, and the way things uh, kind of have moved along. Um, I would never use the term watered down or anything like that, but there have been lots of significant changes along the way. I think uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, Hatsumi Sensei and the Japanese teachers adapting to the the wants and needs, maybe not needs, but the wants, right, of Western students who were 
predominantly the biggest part of of the student base, right? Traveling to Japan and whatnot. So, um, you know, they wanted to be a martial art, so there's most of the martial art. They wanted to do mostly unarmed stuff with some weapons thrown in. That's what it turned into, okay? Um, is that problematic? Not for those people, right? But I also believe that uh, a lot of it had to do with um, Hatsumi Sensei putting this out in the world, but still finding a way to keep authentic ninjutsu still pretty much a secret. Okay. Lots of people are talking about it, but um, there's, there's a lot that, you know, isn't, isn't happening, isn't going on. Right. So anyway, that being said, uh, the way it was explained to me was now you have to remember also when I started in this art, Fifth degree black belt was the highest rank in the Bujinkan. I know it's hard to believe, right? What about 10th Don? What about 15th Don? Well, I know the Japanese adapting again to Western mindset, right? Um, they're, regardless of who uses what numbers, including the Japanese instructors, okay? In Japanese martial arts, there's nothing above 10th Don, okay? And I know how much that rubs people raw because everybody uses the term. Yeah, I get it. Everybody uses the term sensei for Hatsumi sensei as well. But uh, according to most Japanese speakers and, and tutors that I've had and whatnot, right, since he teaches more than just martial arts and he teaches about life and all those kind of things, right, then, you know, there's a there's a proper higher politeness etiquette term, right? Shiso, um, you know, teacher of life, right, of which self-protection is a part, but it's not the only thing. Right. Um, there are all these little things going on. Right. People running around using the term Shihan for themselves and whatnot when it's an it's an honorific. And and, you know, again. Right. Well, it's OK says and I'm not here to argue anybody's point. OK. They can do them. I'll do me. Right. Um, but. Again, fifth Don was. Uh, was the highest rank, right? And then there came a point where five more Don ranks were added to it, and then it was 10th Don, right? And then you had a whole bunch of these Shidoshi slash, I don't know, self-imposed Shihan or whatever running around, right? Because there there became this this belief that at 8th Don or 9th Don or 7th Don or who knows, right? That once you attained that rank, then you were a Shihan, you were whatever, right? Um, when that's not the way it it works, right? Um, Japanese martial arts tenth don is you know it's it's like a return to zero, right? And I'm not going to get into numerology tonight because it's not about belt ranking, right? But when the additional five ranks were added to it, right, the the whole premise behind it was a return to nature and different aspects of nature, right? So it's almost like a going beyond, right? In in our Mikyo study. Uh, we have this uh, sutra called, or this teaching called the Heart Sutra, the Transcendental Heart Sutra. And there's a mantra at the end of it that says, gone, gone, gone beyond, gone beyond enlightenment, right? You can replace enlightenment with mastery, rank, whatever you want. Um, but the whole idea is that you're going beyond what most people see conventionally, right? And so uh, 
the the official ranks, right? Judon Chi Menkyo, not eleventh Don, right? Not Juni Don, right? Or Ju was it Juichi Don, right? Um, Judon tenth level, right? Tenth degree, right? Earth transmission, right? Uh, Judon Suimenkyo, Judon, uh, uh, Judon Kamenkyo. Now, while historically the Godai, right, those five uh, elements, right, earth, water, fire, wind, and void, would often be used as an expedient, as a counting method, it, it still wasn't about that, right? Again, a lot of us were around when this stuff was introduced and the way it was described had nothing to do with numbers, Right? It had to do with focusing on you started with the Godai, you end with the Godai. Right? You start with Shizen, you end with Shizen Tai. Right? Um, and again, uh, th- there's, this, there's this weird psychological phenomenon that human beings have that makes them infer, believe, whatever, that the way things are when they get involved is the right way, the only way, and the way it's always been. When, especially within the Bujikan, nothing can be further from the truth. Okay? So, anyway. Um, the way the fifth Don test was explained, uh, one, historically, it was always done with a live blade. And so it was designed to keep students out of levels that they had no business going into, right? No matter what ego wanted, if you couldn't pass the test, well, no worries, right? Because (laughs) there was nothing beyond it, right? Um, Just very quickly, when Hatsumisate took the test, he had no idea he was taking the test. He was just told to sit and meditate, and next thing you know, he's rolling out of the way and looking back and there's Takamasa with a live blade in the space where he was sitting. Okay. So, and actually I believe uh, he was attacked twice, maybe three times, I think at least twice. Right. Um, And so it wasn't just this simple move kind of thing, but the way it was explained was that it is a, uh, it is a culmination or a marker for, for all the work done leading up to that point, right? So prepping for that kind of thing. But then it's also an introduction to something that should form uh, a significant part of the training afterwards. Okay, so there's that bridge, hashi, bashi, right? This bridge. On one side, there's something going on. On the other side, there's something going on, right? When I uh, took my test, and uh, as soon as I had completed the test, right, as soon as I passed the test, Hatsumi Sensei's first instruction to me was that, that thought, that intention, right? Every time you train from now on, if you think, he, he knew what my background was, law enforcement, security, all that kind of stuff, right? doesn't matter if you're facing somebody, right? Um, that's looking to do harm or you're just training with a training partner, you will lead with that feeling, that 
radar openness, whatever. He didn't use the word radar, but you get the idea, right? That was to become part and parcel to everything I did from that point on, right? The thing that occurred during the test. Now, this is going to rub people the wrong way again. This whole episode is going to rub people the wrong way, right? Because people want to believe what people want to believe, okay? And I can't change that, and I'm not here to change that, okay? But it's kind of like gravity, right? You don't have to like it. You don't have to believe in it, but it doesn't make it not true, okay? I have witnessed my fair share of people lucking out and passing the test. And so they're not going to understand or be able to use anything after the test moving forward because they didn't they didn't use a specific skill. Okay. Now, right now, I'm only explaining one direction, one way this was explained to me. Okay. So, uh, again, it's 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 a and, and people. People throw words around, right? Like enlightenment, warrior, those kind of things. They throw Saki of the Saki test around as well, right? Right. You're you're sensing the 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 force of the killer. Okay. All right. Well, that in, infers uh, or implies that my teacher is trying to bash my skull in during this test. Okay. Yeah, I know, but it's a Shinai and it has, uh, you know, this. Uh, suede sheath on it or this protective covering and whatnot. Yeah, I know, because um, they had this concern about an international incident. If a foreigner gets hurt in country by a national, there's all kinds of weird shit that goes on. Okay. So, but um, again, if we think about the origin of the test and it's supposed to be a live blade, then there isn't there's more than an element of danger to the test right and if there isn't then how the hell does your your subconscious unconscious faculties that are supposed to detect the danger that are supposed to pick up on the sake how do they fire right how do they recognize something that's not there okay later on six down and above we start looking at this idea of kuji right which is sensing danger that's not projected. Okay. So there has to be this thing, right? This, this picking up on intent. Okay. And again, I'm going to explain some things and I'm, I'm just going to warn you now, right? It's going to be, you're going to have to be very, very mindful to not let ego shortcut the path for you because I'm going to explain a couple of things. Ego is going to hear it. Ego is going to remember it. And if you're not careful, ego will try to fake it. Okay. And that is that. Uh, <laughs> when you're, when you're taking the test, right? Again, there has to be this element of danger. But you have to get yourself out of the way, okay? As a matter of fact, you have to be so open to the attack coming in, right? Even though you know it's safe, even though you know that the worst that's going to happen is a bruise on the top of your head or, you know, a lump or whatever, right? 
um, you have to get yourself into a state where you are open to the reality that the worst could happen. Okay. It's, it, it goes back to that, um, that, that saying or that phrase that the warrior accepts death, right? Because this is what, this is what will get your adrenals firing. This is what will get your system, right? On, okay? To pick up on things. Um, and you need to know the difference between sensing danger and paranoia, right? Paranoia is a mental projection. It's the fear that something dangerous exists, okay? And so the brain is chasing shadows, right? It's afraid. Yes, of course it's afraid, okay? But paranoia and detecting Saki are two completely different things, okay? One is happening in the intellect. One is happening left brain, okay? Eyes are darting around. You're trying to, you're, you're trying to, to, to find it before it gets you, that kind of thing, right? It's very different, right? The faculties needed to, uh, to detect Saki, the force of the killer, are subconscious and unconscious. They're a part of our natural, raw human, uh, defense mechanisms. Okay. And so, there's this element of trusting, right? Trusting yourself, trusting your faculty. We talk about this all the time, right? Trusting your kumai, right? Those kind of things, right? Um, because when we don't trust it, then what ends up happening is the intellect is trying to follow things around. It'll do th- things that range from getting your training partner to always do things the right way. I just made air quotes for those of you listening audio only, right? Doing things the right way or doing things the official way, right? Or justifying that, uh, I just had a student do it tonight. Now, luckily, right? She's, uh, preteen, early teen, whatever. And, um, and she's just brand new in the, in the art, right? But her training partner, uh, threw a high punch when we were working on low blocks. Okay. Low defensive kind of things, uh, from Shizen instead of from, from Hicho, but it's the same, same idea, right? And so, her partner threw uh, the high punch, and instead of blocking that, right, she was expecting a low punch, and so that's all she was watching for. So when her partner moved, she instinct, well, not instinctively, habitually dropped her hands for a dropped her hand for a low punch, and then almost got hit. Now her flinch reflex pulled her her face out of the way, but the, her first words out of her mouth were, "You didn't do that right." I very, very quickly cut her off and I said, no, it's okay. One, you actually moved out of the way. So, you know, you didn't need a block. Okay. But two, I want you to remember something. Okay. And that is the attacker is never wrong. Okay. The attacker is never wrong. Now, this is not a moral or a statement about anything moral and ethical. Right. I mean, the attacker is wrong when they cut you from the herd and decided that they were going to attack you. Right. Um, but the way they attack you. Uh, when, how, all those kind of things. The attacker is going to do what the attacker is going to do, right? The attacker is not going to set things up so that you can win, okay? This is not, you know, a, a, a board game for four-year-olds, okay? So we need to understand this, right? The attacker is never wrong, okay? 
Our skill set has to be such, both physically, mentally, and emotionally, right? Spiritually, whatever you want to call it. When I say spiritual, I don't mean religious. What I mean are those things that you cannot pin down as a as a clear cut physical or mental or emotional faculty, right? You experience it, but it seems like it's outside of the realm of those three things. Even though it's not, it's just so sub slash unconscious that you can't, you can't chase it. You can't, you, you, all you can do is experience it, right? So it's our responsibility to hone our skills physically and mentally so that whatever he throws is okay with us. We can handle it. Right. I mean, it's it's one of the meanings behind Jumonji no Komai. Right. Um, it's uh, one of the ways that Hasmi Sensei described it is the warding off of evil. Right. Uh, Komai. And that actually comes directly from our Mikyo. Right. In Mikyo, uh, there is a mudra that you're doing with your arms, except it's not um, in, in the martial side. Right. Uh, with Jumonji. What you're doing is you're maximizing the placement of armor. You would never do the mikyo, the pure mikyo form of this because you'd be exposing the inside of your arms and the life-sustaining tubes, right? You'd, the armor would be in the wrong position, all that kind of stuff, right? But in mikyo, you're making this, uh, this, uh, kongoken or vajra fist, right? And then you're crossing things with the inside of the arms pointing out. Right. And it's this warding off of evil kind of thing. Right. So he's described it that way. There's lots of other ways that these things are described. But. Uh, the the base feeling in Jumonji. Right. Is whatever you throw at me, um, I'll handle it. Whatever you throw at me, I'm fine with. OK. So, again, we have to remember that our Kumai are holistic. Right. So. <laughs> We're, we're beginning the training for the Godon test and this other test that I'll be talking about here in a bit way earlier, right? If, again, here's this phrase, right? If we're training correctly. But here's the thing, right? And this is why I keep throwing these little caveats in and stuff, right? Um, ego will always have us thinking that we're training correctly. Okay. Um, but if we're training in a comfortable setting, uber safety, all that kind of stuff. That doesn't mean we need to be doing kumite and crap like that, right? But um, things can be made too safe. Things can be made uh, in a way where there's no challenge, right? Uh, in one of my teachers' uh, dojo, Itsuka Sensei, in, in Japan, the, the most common phrase or one of the most common admonitions that we get is um, your training partner's job is to make your life, quote unquote, interesting. And that's a really nice way to say they're supposed to have you on edge, right? They're supposed to have you in a position where you have to control the fear, the anxiety and all that kind of stuff, but still be neutral and open to whatever they throw. OK, um, at a certain point in your training, you need to let go of knowing what your partner's going to throw, even when you're doing kata training. Okay. Well, the kata says the uke does this. Yeah. Okay. But what if he doesn't? Okay. Just like the student I had. Now she's brand new. 
Okay. Um, but you know, for black belt tests, when I'm testing students, uh, for Nidon, Sandan, that kind of thing, right? Um, a sure sign that they should pick up on that maybe I'm looking at them for a different rank is, uh, I will already have spoken to potential training partners for them in their classes and already told their training partners, right? No matter what we're working on, every once in a while, throw a different attack than the one that we're working to defend against. Because I want to see. I want to see if they can default to what we consider to be need on, right? Um, and no matter what happens, they can at the very least take proper naname, right? Taihen, shift, avoid, that kind of thing, right? And not be so fixated on the thing because they've got to do the kata, right? Okay. There's, there's abilities that we are trying to develop, not test or memorization or whatever that we're trying to. Now, that's what ego is always trying to do, because if ego can shortcut the process, ego is going to try to shortcut the process. And that's just as true on the martial side as it is on the uh, on the Mikyo side. Right. And my my uh, current students that are going through the Sanji Shichidobo on the 37 Fundamentals course have been learning that quite quite intimately right so anyway right so here's here's this thing right where you have this bridge okay so on one side for the fifth don test right um you're demonstrating two core skills right that are necessary for passing the test okay that's one side of the bridge, right? It's a culmination of all this training, but it's distilled down into, well, there's probably more than just two skills. I'm going to name two uh, primary skills, but there's trust in your teacher. There's trust in yourself and your ability to just let go and let what's about to happen happen. Those kind of things, right? Um, but we'll talk about those skills in a minute. And then on the other side, Right. There's the, the the test itself is a gateway to a whole other realm of training that that uh, is more spiritual. And again, I don't mean religious. I don't mean philosophical. Right. Well, that's a big part of it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about operating more from an in tune, in touch, experience, experiential uh, place, right? Um, and again, I, I just briefly described, you know, what husband says they told me my, my very first lesson right after passing the test, right after coming out of that role, right? And looking back at him and trying to reorient myself to the room. And there he was pointing at me. And first lesson, that, that, that thought, that feeling right there, right? From now on, that leads everything. Understand? In that haze of the moment? I think so. Right? Um, but either way, right? Because the next phase of training presupposes that you have it because you're going to hone it more deeply. And here's why I say honing it more deeply, right? The Godon test is a very controlled test. The danger is coming 
from one specific direction. It's coming down on the top of your head. So you only need to sense the danger and get out of the space that you're in. But what happens later on when the danger is coming from off center? It's coming from behind your back, behind your back, left, right, whatever. What if you're sitting and it's a stab or it's a swing laterally or whatever with a pipe or who knows, right? Okay. So if we're not honing it, then we're not able to move in the correct direction based on the attack itself. And in all honesty, and this is... This was me discussing, here's a discussion I had with a 10th Don the night I was taking my Godon test, right? It was at the Atlanta Taikai in, what was that, 2001, 2000, 2001, something like that, right? Um, and training was over for the day and, you know, watching the clock, waiting to go. And he walks up and introduces himself and, uh, you know, we had this little chat and he goes, you're going to do fine, right? You're going to do okay. Okay. You're going to, he said, you're actually going to do better than most of the 10 thoughts. That kind of confused me. And he said, no, no, no. We all know they passed their fifth on test. Okay. But the reality is that most 10 thoughts wouldn't be able to pass the test again. If they were made to sit for it again, most would have a really, really, really big problem. Okay. And again, remember, I was a fourth on. Biding my time until we were supposed to meet at this room in the hotel to get bashed on the head, right? Um, and he said, no, see, they're going to be so worried about failing, what they're going to look like, all those kind of things, right? That that will keep them from passing the test. See, they didn't have any of those worries, right, when they took the test originally. But now, see, now they're tenth dots, right? Now there's reputation and everything on the line. So, um, and he shared with me, he said, in all honesty, most didn't continue to work on what they were supposed to work on, what the test is pointing to after they took the test, because the test was all that mattered. Getting promoted was all that mattered. Okay. So they're missing a huge, a, a huge piece of the skill set. Right. All right. So speaking of skill sets, right, um, James, I don't know if your video froze up again or not, but um, can you hear me? OK. Yes, video just froze up. Your video froze. OK, so we were having a discussion earlier about um, recent uh, video clips and whatnot uh, that we've seen of um, of the test being done. Right. Remember what I'm talking about? Yes. I even had a former student that uh, let's just say that we parted ways um, because of ego and other such things. But anyway, um, uh, what was the biggest thing that you noticed um, with these tests? Not not from the teacher that we're going to talk about here in a minute, but um, what was the biggest thing that you noticed? Uh, one thing I saw was um, a lot of the administrators of the test, uh, they weren't, when they were 
the, doing the cut, like, it would stop usually right around, like, waist level or so. But mm-hmm. it was it was at a height that whoever was taking the test could, like, get away with just, like, leaning a little bit, like, moving the head to the side a little bit. Um, yeah, I saw people stop. You mean their waist level, not the student's waist level. Right, their waist level. Their yeah. waist level, which is just a little bit beyond the student's head level. Right, so they could actually just kind of lean to the side a little bit or just move their head. Just move their head, right. Right. And then, I mean, there was was some that did it, and they went way past that, and if it was just a lean, they were still getting cracked. Right. But uh, there was, yeah, quite a few. There were a lot that stopped right there, and uh, the student I was discussing, right, I mean, the, 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 the blade is right, or what was it? It was a training device, right, but... Um, right, it right. was right at the, the junction where the shoulder plugs into the neck. I mean, everybody that's looked at that is like, ah, like we would have never passed. I mean, my test was done. Um, Hatsumi Sensei led off the test by saying how tired he was, right, uh, from the day's training. And so uh, he was only going to use one hand. Oh. And most of us who understood physics went, oh, shit, right? Because he didn't hold the sword up over his head with one hand. He laid the sword on his head as a fulcrum and then just pulled down mm-hmm. and sent the end of the sword just literally flying and cracking into the ground. There was no stopping it, right? The, the, the sword, the, the shinai went to the floor. So if any part of you was in there, you failed the test, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's the way that happened, right? Um, but uh, we were also talking about uh, Jack Hoban, right? He's one of the Daishihan. He's one of, mm-hmm. my, uh, is one of my friends and, and was a teacher way back in the day. And um, Jack's a former Navy captain, Navy Marine, or not Navy, Marine captain. Marine. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is equivalent to an army full bird colonel, I think. Right. So the ranks are askew. Right. Um, so um, uh, what that means is um, Jack is a very no nonsense kind of person. And so can you describe the test that you saw Jack doing, which is that's just Jack open. <laughs> right. I see. Uh, him get up and administer one or two and uh, same thing I mean the same setup and everything and you could see everybody had a level of intent but I mean, just from looking at it Jack's looked a little bit more intense when he did it but Jack also cut the whole way to the floor like Boshi to floor so right. the person the people that he was testing did move out of the way and Thank God they did, or they wouldn't have made it, because he went straight through. He took the space they were in with the sword, so they had to clear it completely. There was no no way they would have ever passed if they just leaned or sort of fell over or anything. Yeah, and back in the day, if you got tagged on any part of your body, I don't care if your little toe got clipped, you got hit. So you didn't pass, right? Um, now, can you live without a toe? Yeah, but that's not the point. The point is to clear the space. Right to detect danger and move. So um, anyway, and again, I'm not here to to uh, 
talk about what should be happening, what shouldn't be happening, or whatever. What I want to talk about is the skill sets and the training. So we've already kind of alluded to where the test goes, but the two core pieces that I have been taught about passing the Godon test, there's two primary skills, right? You started here, right? And this is culmination, right? But again, you know that old saying where one door closes, another opens? It's exactly that. It's that thing, right? So one door on an ass or a part of your training or your training career does close, right? But immediately, instantly, another one opens because you've gained access to this other realm, right? Um, It's kind of like on the mandala, right? Uh, On the Taizokai mandala, uh, there are nine gates, okay? There's nine gates that you can count, right? But there's a tenth gate, and the tenth gate is this square that goes around this eight-petaled lotus and whatnot, which is supposed to represent an inner throne room. It's it's the realm of enlightenment, right? Um, but symbolically, in Mikyo, they're not solid walls, right? They're walls of intense flame. It's kind of like the flaming swords that's, that uh, were at the boundaries of Eden in the Old Testament and, and things like that, right? But there's no gate to get in to that, inner sanctum into that inner realm there's no gate right the the gates in the other sections are points that you learn this you practice this and whatnot and then you move to the next level the next level and actually they're they're not like walls it's not like a flat thing it's like these step pyramids that you see uh like in south america and stuff like that right so it's an ascension kind of thing right but the inner the inner space, right, requires that the student has certain faculties operating. Because what ends up happening symbolically is that you simply transition one instant you're outside and yet another instant you're inside and you can't go back. I mean, you're, it's not like you're trapped, right? It's that when you're ready, right, it happens. So this test is very much like that, right? There's a physical side, and there's an intuitive side, okay? Not, now, it's not that it's not a mental thing, right? But this intuitiveness is sub and unconscious processes, right, developed to a level where you can do this, right? So we have a bunch of exercises that lead up to it that uh, some some students have done and other ones are going to do more of and, and whatnot. But anyway, so the physical skill is simply Tai Hinjutsu, right? It's Ukemi, right? Um, but what kind of Ukemi, right? Because uh, there's rolling, right? I rolled, okay? But uh, several of my teachers have taught me uh, a ukemi movement right that allows you to literally flatten out your body an arm goes in one direction well straight out in front of you right and the opposite leg shoots straight back behind you it's almost like somebody has 
you know, a string running through a shoulder and a hip. And when they yank on it, right, your body flattens out and flips off that center line. Okay. So cool little maneuvers. We've learned all these things uh, over time and whatnot, but they're just different ways to get out of that space. Right. Rolling is perfectly fine as long as your rolling is tight. Right. If you like dive roll out and leave your legs behind, well, then your legs are going to get hit. You know, if you uh, do this Aikido kind of roll or a Judo kind of roll where it's a barrel thing and your legs come flying up and around, right, something's getting hit, okay? Um, but again, this is part of the physical training, right? Your ukemi training, okay? But it's not just that you can do it. You have to be able to do the ukemi training. You have to be able to do the taihen with no wind-up. No preparation, right? Um, when you need to move, your body must be able to move, and in a direction it must be able to move to. Okay? There, there, there is no preparatory movements. The sword is moving way too fast. Okay? So, James, do you get this? Yes, sir. I know I'm talking to everybody else through you, but um, so... Um, for all of those people who don't like rolling, don't like tie hand, or avoid break falls and all that kind of stuff, um, I don't want to tell you. Okay, but perhaps there's a reason that the cuts have become more and more shallow to give people an opportunity to pass a test and attain rank. I don't know. I'm not here to speak for anybody. Right. So. But one half of the skill, one half of the equation, right, minus all the extra things that I talked about or could talk about, trust and all those kind of things, right, right, is the tie head. You must be able to move your body quickly, effectively, and efficiently in whatever direction it needs to go without wind-up, without preparation, okay, without getting stuck. Anything like that, right? Okay. So that's half. The other half is the ability to sense unseen danger, right? Not paranoia, because if you flinch, right, if you go early or whatever, they just have you come back, right? Um, I think, James, we were talking about, didn't you see a, did you see a, an old clip or something? Because I've seen this at, at seminars, Kaikai in Japan and whatnot, Um but the, the one with Hatsumi said they just kind of pulling the, the shinai on his shoulder, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. yes. So can you describe that? Uh, that one was they had a student come up to test, and he'd no more than get, like, set in Seiza, and then he would, like, immediately, like, move or roll or something. Like, as soon as he got set, he would roll, and... Yeah, he did it like a couple times and they tell him to reset and he kept doing it. So Hatsumi Sensei ended up putting, just leaving the Shinai, like lay across his shoulder and he just watched him a couple more times do it. And he didn't do anything. And he tell him, Oh, very good. Very good. Now. Sit back down. Sit. And then he left him go one or two more times. And just from right there, he just, as soon as, as, soon as he took say that he just swung it from right there and cracked him. And he was like, no, yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, 
must have been a, must have been a good day for Soke because um, I've I've seen him in tests and whatnot. Just you know, it's just something we're doing. Who's testing? Okay, here's the you know here's the thing, uh, whatever. But uh, swings have gotten way shallow because from way back in the eighties, uh, the tip of the shin the tip of the shin I hit the floor, right? Yeah. But there's this intuitive sense. So here's the thing, right? I know a lot of people who just, it's just part of their makeup. They're already very intuitive, right? And they're pretty good at, like, getting to that point where they can sense it. But their ukamidu is terrible. And that's the reason they failed the test. So they felt it, but they couldn't move. And I know just as many people, if not more, who are really good at taihen, right? Really good at rolling, really good at ukemi, right? But for whatever reason, paranoia, right? Uh, you know, fear of embarrassment, uh, need to pass, afraid to fail, whatever, right? Um, can't sense the thing to be sensed, right? Um, th- there's a reason that we're not just running around the dojo with them attacking you with a sword to avoid, right? Every the, the 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 body movement is super simple, right? Sit here, right, um, and then don't be there when the sword moves into that space, right? Well, how will I know? You'll know, right? If you're ready, you'll know. But again, there's two skills. I need both. In the moment that I need them, right? I need both. And that's what it really comes down to. I, you know, I just uh, asked students the other night as we were talking about testing again. And, you know, some people are worried. There's a there's a uh, test coming up here um, later this week, Thursday. Um, and, you know, some people are already getting nervous and all those kind of things. And I said, just, you know, just relax, right? What's the only test that matters? It's the only test that you should be worried about or focused on as you're progressing through your training. What's the only test that matters? And somebody said black belt, somebody said white belt, you know, whatever, right? And this nine-year-old put her hand up and she said, the one I'm going to have when a bad guy shows up. And that's the one, right? So, if we're focused correctly and we trust our teachers to be giving us the skills or doing whatever to help us develop consciously or unconsciously, intentionally or accidentally, the skills necessary, then we're going to do whatever it is they tell us to do or in the Japanese way of doing things that they, they're going to suggest that we do. Right? So anyway, so that's the Godon test, right? So let's just very quickly talk about this Shodan. Well, first of all, before I jump into the, the blade avoidance part of the Shodan test, for us, right, and again, this came right out of the curriculum of two of my teachers. So this isn't something that was just contrived or, you know, I thought, oh, this would be a way to put my thumb on the, the, on the heads of students and keep them from, uh, from advancing too fast, right? And in all honesty, I would rather my students advance slowly and have rock solid skills, then me shower them with rank so that they have 
rock solid confidence that will collapse like a house of cards when the shit hits the fan. But that's me, right? So, um, James, any questions or comments or anything from anybody that's uh, listening? No, the only thing that came in was they Fletch said good evening. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Okay. So let's take a look at the blade avoidance test that we have as a part of our Godon test. All right, showdown test. I'm sorry, showdown test. Okay. So the blade avoidance test. Now, to be very, very clear, right? This is not like the Godon test, and I don't mean Godon like functionally, right? Because I've always told people that the Godon test is going to be the um, quickest, easiest from a perspective of time and what skills you need and all that kind of stuff, right? It's the quickest, easiest test you're ever going to take, right? Easy as far as skill-wise, well, that's going to be dependent on you. But when I say easiest as in you're not going through all these skills, you're not, you know, being tested on this or that or whatever, right? You're being tested on ukemi uh, and intuitive sensing of, of danger, right? Um That's it. That's the test, right? But for our Shodan test, in my school, there are six areas, seven if we count um, uh, physical kind of stuff, right? Um, like physical health and whatnot, right? But there are six aspects to the actual testing during the day of the test, right? So... Uh, one part is uh, they're given an outline, right? And so there are six techniques they need to create. Okay? We give them the attacks. They create the defenses, okay? Now, could they borrow techniques from the different areas, you know, on their way to, to that test? They could, but what I really want, what I would really like to see is them either do a variation of a given technique or create a technique. Now, they can only create the techniques based on the tools that they've learned, but what I'm really looking for is an understanding of the principles and concepts that all the historical techniques are based on that were used to create them, right? So if a student understands it, then they shouldn't have a problem creating the techniques, right? So they got to create a technique against a straight punch. doesn't matter if it's high, low, from a uh, 30, 45 degree angle off center or straight in or whatever. They have to uh, demonstrate a technique against a hook punch. could be a haymaker, could be an uppercut, could be a back fist, whatever, right? Uh, they have to do one against a kick, any kick, stomp kick, front kick, rising shin kick, uh, roundhouse kick, axe kick, whatever, right? Um, they have to do one against a single hand grab. Again, could be lapel, sleeve, wrist, uh, single hand choke, whatever. Uh, one against a double hand or double arm uh, attack or whatever. So double lapel, kumuch. Uh, the single hand could be a rear choke, right? Uh, double hand could be a bear hug, whatever. Okay. Uh, and then did I mention kick? I did. Um, and then so then the sixth one is a wild card, right? They make up. They come up with the attack which could be one of the other ones, whatever, right? And a defense, okay? Um, that is the only part of the test that they have absolute control over, okay? And 
my uh, Mod 5 people who are now prepping for their test uh, have received that outline. So now their first task is to create these techniques, get them typed up onto, onto paper, and then bring it into the dojo so we can put it on the teacher shelf. And when they come to class, those techniques will form part of their training because there's still other techniques that they haven't learned in Mod 5, right? That's all the single-legged stuff. Um, these kind of things, right? There's some chokes and a bunch of things. There's blade, muto dori tai hen stuff they have to do and whatnot. But this will this will form uh, a part of their class training, right? So they're going to be working on the techniques and discovering whether or not. Are we on? Are we still in? Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. All right. So oh, I apologize that for, for uh, uh, everyone. Um, we have a thunderstorm going on around my house, and um, there was a lightning strike that happened really close to my house. I heard a uh, transformer uh, explode, and uh, everything went dark and then systematically came back on. So uh, hopefully we didn't lose too many people. But um, anyway, so I, I'm assuming things are still recording and all that stuff. Did, did you lose anything on your end, James? Didn't seem like it, but mine keeps going in and out. Like my connection keeps, like, gets real stuttery sometimes, so I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, I tried using the hotspot to get back in, and it, it wouldn't let me because of whatever firewalls and stuff, but it uh, seems like we're back on. So I'm going to go ahead and continue with this quickly, wrap things up, <laughs> and uh, you'll have to go back and edit that chunk yep. out, I think. No worries. All right. All right. Okay. So where was I? Oh, uh, outlining the test, right? So there are some other things. There are some other skills we can ask for. There's a whole tie-hen section, everything from them demonstrating rolls, leaps, break falls, and all that. Uh Solo and the black belts uh, take turns going out, and they have to let us grab them and throw them or lock them or toss them or shove them or whatever, and they have to do appropriate ukemi, right, and not break, right? Um, it's a demonstration of skills learned to this point. It is not uh, any sign as to whether or not they can use this stuff and this stuff alone uh, to defend against a single attacker on the street doing whatever the hell they want, right? That's actually Nidon, right? This is showing me skill proficiency um, and understanding, okay? But one of the, one of the sections, and, it's, and we usually hold it till last, is uh, the black belts, um, one or more, go out um, at a time, just one, right? Uh, and they've got just a training knife, right? It could be one of these Lexan things or a wooden training knife or whatever, right? And we're only going quarter speed. Okay? And all they're doing is showing evasion, but they're also focused on blade awareness, those kind of things, because we have some unarmed against uh, knife uh, techniques from a couple of the different lineages. Uh, there's the Mutodori Taihen Waza uh, sword, different cuts, and, and doing the Taihen and whatnot. Again, right, making sure that Taihen is good, right? But uh, they're going to be doing this, and, uh, you know, this. The whole idea is just being open, and there. remember I discussed that jumonji, right? Whatever you throw at me is perfectly okay. Whatever you want to do, um, I'm ready for, right? Because they trust in their skills. 
that kind of thing, right? They trust in their kumai, they trust in their invasion, those kind of things, right? So uh, maintaining distance, whatever, okay? And so, again, it's only coming quarter full speeds, right? So we're not, you know, we're not expecting somebody at that level to be doing, like, you know, barrel-ass ripping and tearing uh, kind of things. Because, again, I'm looking at skill proficiency, skill development, okay? So, um, you know, they, they don't have to disarm the person. They just need to not get cut, and that's the instruction. However, one of the things, one of the mental skills, one of the mental things that they need to understand not or one of the one of the knowledge things they need to understand not just left brain oh i know the right answer to that sensei so um you know give me my belt um no they need to understand it at a very very intrinsic internal level and that is and it's the reason why if we don't have to hand uh, you know deal with somebody who's armed with a with a knife or other edged weapon or whatever we don't Right. We use escape tactics with the hell out of there, throw shit at them, whatever. Right. Um, uh, and that is when facing a knife wielding attacker, what's the one thing you can you can guarantee is going to happen? What is it, James? That you will get cut. You're going to get cut. You're going to get stabbed, whatever. Right. Your job is not to not get cut or not get stabbed any more than your job is to not get punched or kicked or whatever in an actual altercation, right? Your job is to not let those things happen to the point where the TV gets turned off, right? And again, it's a priority thing. And this is something we have to break students of when they come in because often they come in with some weird-ass invincibility fantasy. Like, I'm going to learn this stuff, and then nobody's ever going to be able to hurt me. Well, good luck, right? Because you showed up with a human body, so... Right. And there's the reality that somebody could shoot you from a third story balcony um, sight unseen. So let's drop the baby fantasizing and get on with actual training. Right. But this starts all the way back in what we call mod three. So about halfway to black belt. Right. This openness, this recognition that whatever you do is okay with me. So we're going to be more open and we're going to be more adaptive because we're not guessing what he's going to do. We're not expecting him to do certain things, right? We're all this stuff, right? We're beginning our training in a direction that prepares us for the jack wagon on the street who, remember what I said in the very beginning, the attacker is never wrong, okay? Who's going to do whatever the hell they do, right? Our job is not to, uh, at this point, Right. Our job is not to control them or anything like that. It's to control ourselves so that we're prepared for whatever it is that they do do. See, I split that up so I didn't say do do anyway. (laughs) So um, now later on, third down above, we do start uh, pushing buttons and influencing what they do and and those kind of things. Right. But need on need on becomes our fallback. Um, as far as going with the flow and, and, you know, being able to handle things. But what I want from my candidates testing for Shodan is that you have the tools in your toolbox that we've given you and you are proficient at using them. You know how they're used. You know how to apply an Onikudaki. You know how to apply a Mushadori, right? You know how to do an Ichimonji no Kata. You know how, 
that kind of stuff, right? You know how to do uh, yokonage or yokonage, right? Side sitting break fall, side uh, throw counter. Those these individual techniques and tactics. You know how to do omote gyaku, ura gyaku, hon gyaku. You know how to do these things, right? So your toolbox is full, so that once I tie it in a black belt around your waist and you have this shodan, now we can start working on dealing with assholes, cutthroats, and killers. Okay? I know everybody wants to be handling that on the way up, and we talk about, okay, here's the technique, here's how you do this and all that, but really what's going to end up happening is if you're attacked somewhere before for, uh, secondary black belt, you know, my expectation is that you're going to do whatever you need to do, and some of these things may work into your defense. For Nidon, you, you need to have this stuff, you know, uh, at a proficiency level where you're not going to fall back on high school wrestling. You're not going to fall back on whatever, okay? So ultimately, Shodan is the fallback because it's, you know, what if your timing, flow, whatever for Nidon is off? Well, that's okay. You know the technique, so even if you have to force it, you can make it happen. Right. But um, so what's necessary for this to happen for this for the for showdown. Right. So, again, what they're showing me now. Right. Is blade awareness, not fixation. Right. So they always know where the blade is. Right. They're open and OK with whatever somebody is throwing. Right. It's the key to going with the flow later on. Right. I'm not expecting. I'm not guessing. I'm not hoping that he comes from a uh, no. What, however, they come, right? I'm going to sh- shift into the available space to avoid this thing, right? They don't have to do takedowns or anything like that, right? I mean, if it happens, it happens, but nothing like that, right? Okay. So, however, right? Chances are, even at quarter speed, because they're nervous, the pressure's on. That you know, there's a lot of eyeballs looking at them, not just the judges at the table, because I import people, so there's lots of pressure on them. But they've got family, friends, other students, whatever, right? The families of those other people that are testing and whatnot. All these eyeballs on it, right? So there's some stress, right? So chances are they're going to get tagged by that knife, right? It's going to slide across them. They're going to get poked, whatever, okay? So this also starts in Mod 3, which is what we call fire, right? And it has to do with commitment, right? This is not over until one of two conditions exist. One, I have escaped or put this guy down and I no longer need action. Or my TV got turned off and I'm no longer capable of action. Okay? It's that commitment to continue no matter what. Right? We wear that symbol, right? It's it's on our logo up there in the upper left-hand corner, right? It's that nin symbol, right? Persevering, right? Even though the enemy holds his blade at my heart, right? I will persevere. I will, right? I'm going to win against odds, right? So, um, however, and this is actually on their outline, if they give up when they get tagged, right? I'll share a little story here to, to wrap this up. Um, that actually happened to a friend of mine when I was testing for my first degree black belt. Okay. 
if they get tagged and they go, oh, I'm dead or something like that, right? Where, you know, it's, it's done. It's over, right? They failed their entire test. I don't care how well their academics were. I don't care how well, okay? That one single thing, right? We don't quit ever, okay? The fight is over when one of two conditions exist. Action is no longer necessary because they have run off, they're unconscious or otherwise, right? And I don't need, there's no need for defensive action or I'm unconscious or dead and incapable of action. Otherwise, right, we live to nin, period, okay? That is a huge part of the showdown test, okay? Um, so either way, Godon test, showdown test, right? These blade avoidance pieces, right, are more than just okay, to pass this test and get this rank, here's what you have to do. No. Just like the nin symbol is made up of two kanji that were brought together to produce a completely different meaning, these things have two or more skills that are brought together to produce a result that's greater than the sum of their parts. Okay? Somebody can be intuitive, but crappy at Taijutsu. They're not going to pass the fifth on test unless they luck out. And I have seen the look on Hatsumi Sensei's face and other teachers' faces when somebody lucked out. Because everybody in the room that has that ability knows whether or not they picked up on the intent, because we can feel when the person administering the test fires. Okay? Not moves the sword, projects the intent. We can feel it, right? So when we're looking, right, they, they often look at us, right? We nod or shake our head or whatever, right? Okay, whatever, right? But sometimes you can't deny, look, okay, the person passed the test because they avoided the sword. So technically, they passed the test, right? Did they demonstrate Saki? No, but here you go. Here's your fifth on. Okay. Now the question is, what the hell are you going to do with it after that? Okay. Same thing. Somebody's Taijutsu. Their, their Ukemi can be phenomenal, right? You can be so overwhelmed by fear, paranoia, stress. They haven't done any mental or internal work, right? They're not wired for it yet whatever okay great sorry okay unless of course again they luck out right um the showdown test right and that blade avoidance test that we have uh, thunders back hopefully we don't get shut off here again right but um it, it's it's a more grounded kind of test right um there's no intuition necessary what we're really focusing on there the mental aspect is awareness and controlling oneself so that they don't get overwhelmed, right? If they are getting overwhelmed, then they need to put more distance between them and the person coming at them, right? Um, they're, they're not, you know, getting immobilized, those kind of things, right? So again, what I want to talk about during this, uh, this episode is 
not just the test or why not well the why it's there right but the base parts right what i was taught again and and why these things are here and again i i didn't make up the blade avoidance test that's a part of our showdown test right this is something that several of my teachers had for us coming up through the ranks so right uh, i didn't feel a need to get rid of it right and so um, there's a reason that it's there. There's a reason that each are in place, right? There are constituent parts that are necessary, right? There are skills that need to be developed both physically and mentally, right? At minimum, right? That are requisite, that are absolutely required for passing the test intentionally or accidentally. Some people never work on the stuff, but their training is such that it develops. Okay. Um, while I, know that that happens for my students. Um, I still have borrowed drills from my teachers, different teachers, right? Shrice Sensei, all kinds of, uh, you know, Stephen Hayes, Bud Malmstrom, Isu Sensei, right? Borrowed drills from them. Plus we've created other drills that allow students to work on it. So literally they're burning their candle from both ends, right? We can consciously, intentionally take control and run drills and practice things and whatnot to hone things in that direction, but it can only take you so far, right? And we can let the natural process of training do what it does, but I believe that can only take you so far as well. But if we can bring the best of both worlds together, um, I have found that uh, my students get where they need to go. Um, uh, My friend and student Jonathan Paul, who just passed away recently, um, he took his test uh, when we were in Japan. When was that? It wasn't 2018. Either way, right? Um, He's really nervous, right? But I told him he was taking his test, and I would pick the day that he was going to take his test. And the day I picked, um, I wasn't able to to administer the test at that point. But... uh, Jack Hoban, the teacher that we were talking about, was there, and he was the senior ranking one in the room for students from the U.S. So John sat for the test with him, and you bet the tip of the sword hit the floor. John passed the test, right? Um, and I would have, I would have, I would have honored whatever promotion and passing of the test or whatever. But I, and knowing John, John would have uh, had a major problem as well uh, if anybody had pulled the sword so that he could have just bobbed his head to get out of the way, right? So anyway, that's what I have. So other than announcements about upcoming seminars and whatnot, and you know what, we'll just keep this short because, again, the, the, I, I can't trust that we're not going to lose everything again here. Um, so... Uh, you can just go to online ninjaacademy.com forward slash uh, events and uh, fall camp dates are up. Uh, Daikomio Sai dates are up. James. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Right. So um, then we'll just open it to questions. Any, any questions or comments? No, no, I was either that freaking good or I was that freaking confusing. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I should do the, the 
Bud Malmstrom thing. I remember him. He's he's a former Marine as well, and I remember him talking about respect at one point in the dojo. Um, he would crack our asses anyway. So um, he he looked at us one day and he said, "You know, you get respect in one of two ways: fear or admiration." And there was a long pause, and then he said, "Take what I can get." Right. Yeah. So I guess. <laughs> Um, I don't know, well-explained or confusion. I don't know if that fits the same paradigm. So hopefully I've given everybody some things to think about. Uh, and for those of you who are my personal students, whether you're local or long distance, um, I've given you a little bit of uh, look forward, right? So, and I think that when we do that, we talk about this in class uh, sometimes, when we do that, uh, you know, for lower level people, sometimes I'll pull out a third don or a fourth, eighth don kata or whatever, right? Something really advanced because I'll see boredom in their eyes or you know, whatever, right? And so I'll pull this thing out and um, that usually makes them want to go back and do this stuff because <laughs> um, they, you know, they realize that they don't have it to the degree that ego was trying to convince them they did. But one of the reasons I pull it out is so it gives them a look forward and it puts, puts the skills that they have worked on and are working on into better context. So they don't make them the same mistake that goes on in a lot of martial arts where here's a box of toys, right? Learn these, play with these. We'll test you on them, give you a belt. Then you can pack up that box of toys and put it away and we'll give you a new box of toys and you'll keep doing that until you get the next rank and the next rank and the next rank. Right. Um, this isn't that way, right? This is, this is foundational, just like in the Sanshi no Kata, right? Sui no Kata, right? And I know you can do these things independently. You can do them any way you want, right? But the way they were introduced to me is that Sui no Kata is dependent and expects that you're, you understand and are good at Chi no Kata. Ka no Kata expects and whatever, right? That you can do sui no kata, chi no kata. no kata, same thing, right? Um, I know you can approach them from any way you want. Do you have to do them that way? No, right? But there are foundational to higher level things, right? Kuno kata being your introduction to Kijuchenka, your first pass through. But then later on for upper and intermediate and advanced people, right? Um, you know, and, and this is where the shift in mindset happens, Right. You need to recognize that Kyuzu Tenkan, right, the, the, that distraction kind of thing that's in Kuno Kata that everybody kind of gets, you know, um, gets attached to. Right. They get distracted by the technique that's supposed to distract the bad guy. Um, <laughs> that's the funny part. Right. Okay. Well, that's actually a lesson from the Tagagi Ocean View. Right. That the, the principle of the falling leaf or the, or the feather in the wind where it catches a person's attention even momentarily. Right. So a lot of the techniques, right, um, kasumidori and, and things like that, right, there's this principle of the fluttering leaf, right, where you're catching their attention, it moves them away, and then you have this access, right? But there's also a countering lesson that goes along with that. Don't get caught by the fluttering leaf, okay? And that's not just them doing something. Don't get caught by your own freaking technique. 
Don't be so focused on your technique that you get punched in the throat. Right? So, anyway. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's all in there. But, again, you know, there's three transmission levels for each one of these things and whatever, right? So, um, because, again, it's foundational up, right? Shu, Hari, all these things are in there, right? Um, does that mean that everybody has to practice that way? No, you can do whatever the hell you want, okay? As several of my teachers have voiced over the years, right? Um, you're all grown-ups. You can do whatever you want, okay? Those of, us, those of us who know better would highly recommend that you don't do a lot of that dumb shit, um, but you're a grown-up. You can do whatever you want, okay? And most do, and it shows, okay? That's why most people aren't carrying around with them the skills they should have honed in the dojo outside the dojo because the fluttering leaf has their brain compartmentalizing those things that they get used over there, right? Which is why their stealth, if they practice it at all, right, sucks out in the world, which is why their uh, discipline and control and observational skills and whatnot are not the same as they are when they're wearing their black uniform. Because the brain has attached um, the skill sets and whatnot to the location, to the mode of dress, right? Um, it is what it is, right? So anyway, right? Um, not that anybody wants to hear this stuff or think about it, and that's okay. So any last-minute questions or comments about anything before we wrap this up, James? No, sir. All right. Well, in that case... Um, that's it. We'll wrap this up and I will talk to everyone again, hopefully, barring no really terrible weather, right? Uh, either this Wednesday on Warriors Whiteboard Wednesday. What am I covering this Wednesday, James? Um, I didn't know. What am I doing? Um, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll be posting it tomorrow, right? The topic uh, reveal is tomorrow, so I'll be posting that. Uh, and uh, so if I don't see you on Whiteboard Wednesday, then I will see you next Monday on Wait, do we have one next next, next Monday? Uh, schedule. The dojo is closed uh, because this is our July 4th weekend observed coming up, the 1st and 2nd. The dojo, for those of you who are local, is closed all the way through Tuesday, the 4th, and then classes start back up on the 5th. So we will not have classes on, on the 3rd. However, um, let me look at my schedule. Uh, I At the moment, I intend to do a kuden that uh, evening. James, will you, be, will, you be, will you be around on the third? Yes. Okay. So at the moment, but I'm going to put feelers out and stuff like that because if everybody's caught up in in holiday things and um, uh, picnics and whatnot, I don't know. I may reconsider, but I like to stay consistent because it doesn't take more than once or twice um, over the course of a week or two for people to fall out of a habit, intentionally or not. Right. So. If nothing else, Sensei can be consistent, right? So, um, but let's let's operate at the moment as though we're going to. So I will see everyone next week or next episode, right, of Warriors Whiteboard Wednesday. Should probably close this out. What do you think? Just <laughs> scroll down the the lightning strike through everything all for me. All right, all right. Now we'll close it out. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site 
or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.